Welcome to the Bethel Christian Church message of the week. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Eric Capelli. The sermon today is still in the line of the seventh value. And really, the seventh value of Bethel Christian Church is generosity. Since the inception of this church, it has been a generous church. One way that people were generous was with their time. But today, I want to talk to you about being generous with your talents. Being generous with the God-given abilities that Jesus has placed in your life, whether they be born gifts or they're born-again gifts. And what I mean by that is some of us are born with giftings that we cultivate through our life. The Lord uses those things. And others of us also get other gifts that are supernatural gifts when Jesus begins to do his work in our life. And I want you to know that those gifts are important. See, the body of Christ is special, and you are a part of that body. In Christianity, we've kind of relegated Christ to two different things. We let Christ kind of go along with church hoppers. Those are people that go from church to church to church to church to church. And it's, what does the church do for me? I've never wanted to be part of that mindset. What does the church do for me? Jesus did everything for me, so what can I do for his church? The other thing that happens in churches, we've got solo Christians. We've got Christians that love to be stay-at-home believers. Can I tell you something? Biblically, there is no such thing as a solo believer. Biblically, there's no such thing as a Christian who bounces like a ping-pong ball, like a ballistics anomaly all over the place. God places believers within a body so that they can build the kingdom of God in physical form with one another. The truest representation of Jesus is when we are gathered together. That is when we represent the body of Christ. And your uniqueness plays a part in showing Jesus. If you have your Bibles with you, let's look at the very words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 16. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, says the following. He says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We have a lot of believers who sometimes think that everything they do needs to be anonymous. They're afraid of being too religious, but in that vein, because they're afraid of being too religious, they become religious. Oh, I don't want anyone to know I'm giving. No, we're not supposed to be broadcasting it, but it doesn't mean you can't put your name on a tithing envelope. Come on. Come on. I want to hear you, yes. There are other people too. Oh, I don't have any talents or abilities. I'm nothing. The Lord, this or that. Knock it off. The Bible encourages us to be humble, but false humility is a sin. See, we are supposed to be able to take the things that God has given us, the talents and abilities, and use them for his glory. Because when we do that, people can see our connection to Jesus and the Father. It results in praise. Can I tell you a very practical story from history? One of a famous Russian writer was writing uh, a famous novel. And as he was looking out his window, he saw a child that was starving to death. And he asked the question, how can there be a loving God when children are starving? 
And you know we, as the Western world, we ask that question a lot. How can there be a loving God? When this, when that, when that? I want to reverse the question. I want to reverse the script or the scenario and turn it around. How can you look out your window and see a child starving and not feed them? How can you look at a world that is dying and not help them? See, the Christian mandate is this, to be the mouth, the arms, and the feet of Jesus in this world. Do you know that you are his representative? Do you know that you are an extension of him? He's not just a God who's up in the clouds. He's not just a Messiah who comes down. But when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, he decided to partner with you. He wanted to use you, you and only you, and then use us all together as one body. William Shakespeare in his famous novel, The Merchant of Venice, he described it like this. He said, how far that little candle throws its beams, so shines a good deed in the weary world. Do you know that the world is weary? Do you know that people are tired? Do you know that people are suffering because of sin? They're suffering because of hardship in life, and they need you. They need you. You are needed now more than ever before. You are needed to be a light in darkness. You are needed to be that salt that preserves and gives life and light to all kinds of situations. So let your light shine. Carry the burden. Lift the burden with small acts of kindness, with small areas of dedicating your talents and abilities to others. Do you know that you can lift someone's burden? Sometimes you can't fully take it off their shoulder, but by lifting their burden for a moment, you can help someone else for eternity. I have something I want to tell you regarding your gifts and talents. The first thing I want to say to you today, like a true Italian, is that you're a piece of work. You really are a piece of work. You are a real piece of work. The Bible shows us in the book of Ephesians that we are unique and special. It shows us this for a reason. When Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus, the people who were attending church, they felt like nothing. In Ephesus, it was a beautiful, burgeoning city. Emperor worship was, was, was an, at an all-time high. They were sophisticated. They were well-to-do. But when you became a Christian, you were considered nothing and nobody. You had no right to be part of a guild or a union. You had no right to go to the marketplace. You had to be a closet Christian in order to serve Jesus. Well, we don't believe in closet Christians. We don't believe in that. And so in order to do that, Paul had to encourage them. So he says things to them like, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, meaning you have more authority than the authorities who are persecuting you. He says to them things like, you have been transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He says to them, you are dressed for battle. Your battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and heavenly places. He is assuring the church in Ephesus that they are a real piece of work. 
that God wants to use them beyond their circumstances. So Ephesians 2.10 shows us the following. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Long ago. When God was shaping you in your mother's womb, and I spoke about this a few weeks ago regarding the Holy Spirit, do you understand that your life is precious? We live in a society that loves downing people. We live in a society that loves making you into a victim of life and circumstances. And guess what the enemy wants you to do? He wants you to play into that victimhood. He wants you to think that you're a nobody, that you're a nothing, and that you do not matter. But I don't believe the enemy, and I don't believe our society. I believe the B-I-B-L-E, because that's the book for me, and the Bible shows me that you are a masterpiece. You are special in God's eyes. You are unique. So stop comparing yourself to someone else because you're not them. God wants to use you for who you are. So come out of hiding. Come out of insecurity and step out of fear and let him use you to the fullest capacity. When I was thinking about this idea of masterpiece, it links itself automatically to works of art. I love art. I love beautiful buildings and sculptures and paintings, and it's one of the things that I studied in my master's work was theology, culture, and art. And so because of that, we made a beautiful trip uh, to Italy. And when I was in Florence looking at certain paintings for my thesis, one of the sculptures that we saw was the sculpture of David. Now, you either like it or hate it, but at the time, it was an actual masterpiece, and it still is to this day. And as Michelangelo was about to do his work on the David, there's a beautiful story and an illustration that I think applies to us and how God becomes this master craftsman in our life. See, for 25 years, there was this grandiose piece of marble that no one knew what to do with it. Many artists were asked, can you take this big piece of marble and can you sculpt from it? And no artist dared to do it. Many famous Renaissance artists said, no, there's nothing we can do. That piece of marble stayed out in the elements and in the rain for many years. And then all of a sudden, a young artist by the name of Michelangelo decided to take on the challenge. How did he react to this big hunk of junk? He said, every block of stone has a statue inside of it, and the task of the sculptor is to discover it. He also said the following regarding the David specifically. He said, I saw the angel in the marble, and I carved it until I set him free. Do you know that God is the master artist of your life? Do you know that he is trying to make a good work in you? That he's using circumstances and he's using your past and he's using downfalls and he's using valleys and mountaintops. He's using bad school experiences. He's taking nice moments that you had. He's using financial failures. He is using all of this for the good because you are his masterpiece. 
In the life of Joseph, when his brothers were harming him for bad, he said, everything you intended for evil, God has turned and used for the good. In the book of Romans, it says that God works all things together for the good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I don't know about you, but I love him. Do you love him? Are you called according to his purpose? Come on. So if you love him and are called according to his purpose, I don't care if your heart is full of stone. I don't care if you're sitting here stoic today of I'm not moving, nothing's happening in me. God is not intimidated by you. And guess what? Neither am I. I am going to believe God to work in your life. Someone in Holland once said to me, a fellow minister, her name was Laura. She was very insecure but an awesome preacher. And we dared to invest in her and see her become an awesome preacher and teacher. And so she developed a famous quote in Holland. God has a plan for your life and so does Eric Capelli. (laughs) I will believe in you even if you don't believe in yourself. But see, the Lord believes in you. The Lord believes in his plan for your life. That leads me to the following, which I thought was great, by A.T. Peterson. It said, a marble cutter with a chisel and a hammer was changing a stone into a statue. A preacher looking on said, oh, I wish I could deal with such changing blows on stony hearts. The workman answered, maybe you could if you worked like me upon your knees. Do you know where true transformation takes place? True transformation takes place on our knees. Transformation for what God wants to do in your life takes place on our knees. There are many churches that say, oh, we believe in you. We believe in you. Great, you believe in me, but what does that mean? How does that translate itself? God has a plan for your life, and many people like wonder and wonder, what is that plan? Guess what? It is our responsibility to pray that through. See, it's not my plan for your life. That's manipulation, getting you to do things that I want you to do. But see, God has a place that he wants you to be at. And my desire and the desire of many is to see all of you, even if you're watching online, yes, you, see God take you from the place that you are to the place that he wants you to be. The Dutch have a famous expression that leads to the second point of this sermon. And they say always in Dutch, als je iets doet, dan doe je het goed. And what that means is, do it and do it well. Do it and do it well. See, I believe in excellence in the things that we do. When I was overseas and I was directing drama ministries for evangelism, people would oftentimes say to my wife that knew her from growing up, your husband, he's like a slave driver, which is awful, awful. And she would say to them, no, he's not. We are doing this to represent the kingdom of God. This is an evangelism outreach. And if you're a bad actor and you build bad sets and you allow this whole work to crumble, how is Jesus glorified in that? See, we like to give God our second best, but I firmly believe in giving God my first best, my very best. He is worthy of excellence. Do you agree with me? He is worthy of your first and not your last. And the scripture shows us this in Romans 12, 6 through 8. It says, in his grace, God has gifted us with different gifts 
for doing certain things well. I like that word, well, doing it well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out as much faith as God has given you. In other translations, it says, when you prophesy, prophesy as if God is speaking through you. It says, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Another scripture that illuminates this point is 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. It says, each of you has received a gift to use to serve others. Be good servants of God's various gifts of grace. Anyone who speaks should speak with words from God. Anyone who serves should serve with the strength God gives so that in everything God will be praised through Jesus Christ. Power and glory belong to him forever and ever. Amen. See, oftentimes in the church when I was growing up, I would hear believers hiding behind insecurity. I would hear believers just praying about things. And I believe in the power of prayer, don't get me wrong. But using prayer as an excuse to not get up and move your behind is not a good excuse. See, God, as I said in the beginning of the sermon, he chose to work through us. He needs your talents and abilities. Yes, he is looking for you this morning. He is looking for you to take yourself and invest it into the kingdom of God. But when you do that, do it with all of your might and do it well. See, sometimes churches, they can kind of run on mediocrity. Oh, we're just doing it like, we're just getting it to here. Like, that's enough. That's all our people can handle. I told you I believe in you, right? If I believe in you, I believe you can do better. And I don't believe, see, sometimes people say, oh, and I've had people say that to me sometimes, even as a pastor, like, oh, you set the standard too high for things. I believe in a God who does the supernatural. In the church that I grew up in, we had children that had medical diagnoses, diagnoses that said that they would never become anything in life. But we believed God for them, and God turned them into someone. Recently, we watched a wonderful documentary about the life of Dr. Ben Carson. And we saw his life story of everything that went on. And he became, despite circumstances, a world-renowned surgeon as a believer. No one believed in him, but his mama believed in him. The pastor believed in him. People believed in him. And yes, you can. I don't care what people have told you in your past. I don't care how people have discouraged you. And the reason I don't care is because I believe that you can. That you can take the gifts he's given you and glorify him to the fullest extent. You are the head and not the tail. You are the head and not the tail. Come on. You are blessed, you are not cursed. You are called and chosen and have a holy destiny. You are a child of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Come on. Don't let anyone or anything stand in your way. And again, as I said, stop comparing yourself to other people. Oh, well, brother or sister so-and-so, they have this gift or they have that gift. Stop it. Be you. Be unapologetically you. Don't be annoying you, though. Be the good you. 
Be the you that works together with others and builds them up. And see, even as a local body, there are needs even within our body that God is calling you to fulfill. There are people with what we refer to as born gifts, like I said, and supernatural gifts. Oftentimes, as a believer, I said this too, I pastor churches, and we have people, they are skilled in their daily life. And all of a sudden, they come to church, they come to meetings, and they act like they don't know anything. I'm like, you are a financial whiz. Your job is this or that. Like, come on, look at our books. Look at our finances. You work every day in the hospitality industry. Come on, help us. Help us to do better. Don't check out your abilities at the door. Let God use the abilities you've developed from childhood. Let them use them for his glory. But see, there are other gifts that go beyond you. There are supernatural gifts that go beyond you. And let God give you those as an act of grace as well. Charles Stanley said the following. He said, as God's children, we are not to be observers. We are to participate actively in the Lord's work. Spectators sit and watch, but we are called to use our spiritual gifts and serve continually. Serve continually. Serve continually. Serve continually. We don't like that word. Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 no. We are Americans. And yes, I have boundaries. I do. I have priorities, you know, like I need me time. Yes, you have me time. But there is time that is meant for God time. God does not want your second best. He wants your first. He wants your availability that you say, Lord, take my life and use it for your glory. And yes, you should play tennis. Yes, move your body. Yes, go exercise. Please do that. Yes, enjoy vacations and do all of those things, but don't act like that fills up the week. Don't act like that. Because what happens in churches and in organizations all over the world is the common principle, 20% of people do 80% of the work. Oh, well, pastor, I don't, I don't feel like it. I already did that. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I just want to come to church. My life is busy. Do you know that's insulting? Do you know how many busy people we have that help here at Bethel? They have busy lives. And when you say things like that, you are insulting them. You're insulting people that invest their extra time because they could reprioritize things and it would turn this place into a junk heap. See, to build the kingdom of God, it requires our participation and effort. Use your giftings to build, build, build the body. And so at the third point today, I want you to ask yourself the question, does it really matter? See, as a church, over the last decades, we've kind of pandered to our audiences, to our congregants. We let them get by with the bare minimum. Oh, if you want to come to church every week, that like if you come like twice a month, we're happy with that. Oh, thank you for giving two times a year. Oh, you never have to serve. We get it. We get it. Life is busy. Like, don't do anything. Like, what a poor, pathetic state to be in where we practically have to beg people as a church to come to a prayer meeting, where you've got to beg people to sit under the word of God, where you've got to beg people to make church a priority in their life, where you've got to beg people to make Jesus a priority. I am sorry, but I represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am not a captain of some stupid organization. We are the body of Christ. Let's start acting that way. 
Let's represent like we've never represented before. Why? Because Jesus has entrusted us as his servants with some major responsibility. I'm going to name a few of them quickly. He's entrusted us with spreading the gospel. Do we understand Jesus needs to be preached? The other thing is we need to forgive those that have wronged us. We need to love others. We need to care for his church. We need to be an example to the world. We need to feed the hungry and the thirsty, care for the poor, the prisoner, and the sick, and be hospitable to foreigners and the outsiders. If you were to take the sum total of how Jesus is asking us to serve, these are six areas that Jesus is saying, will you rise up and be my body? Will you rise up to meet the challenge? See, when I said don't compare yourself, please don't do that. You might look at an evangelist that's out on the street proclaiming Jesus and think, oh, well, I'm not that. No, because God might be calling you to give clothes to those that are naked. God might be calling you to work with children. Oh, but I want to be with adults. Why would I ever want to work with kids? Hello, fish are fish, right? Souls are souls. And so don't let anything be beneath you. Nothing is beneath you. As you see in the video, and I'm not joking, I will clean a toilet for the kingdom of God. I will get on my hands and knees for the kingdom of God, and I will preach at the pulpit for the kingdom of God. Nothing should ever be beneath you. I am here, and I'm here to serve. Sergeant Eric Capelli reporting for duty, King Jesus. Brother Andrew, a famous missionary to the former Soviet Union, said the following. And if he said it, I take it kind of seriously. And I'll be closing in a moment. It said, I've come to see clearly that life is more than self. It is more than doing what I want and striving for what will benefit me. Dreaming of all I can be. Life is all about my relationship with God. There is no higher calling, no loftier dream, and no greater goal to live, breathe, and be poured out for Jesus Christ. Do you know that that's the honor? Do you know that that's the greatest honor anyone can have? We live in a society, and we see that all around us. Oh, your kid becomes great when they do this or that. Oh, my child does this, or they became that, or I'm successful because I'm a doctor, or I'm a lawyer. Like, I don't give a crap what anyone is. I don't care what you are. I don't care if you're a lunch lady or a garbage man. My question to you is, are you faithfully doing your job, and are you serving Jesus? Are you faithfully doing your job, and are you serving Jesus? Because if you are, you are fulfilling the greatest calling that there is. There is no higher title. There is no higher calling. There is no greater degree than being a child of God and being in his service. Amen? And so that leads me to the following. If we could stand with one another. I want to read to you a poem. And as a response to this, and we have an altar team, and they'll be here to pray with people if you need personal prayer. But I want to open these altars, and what I want for Bethel too, and, and I want you to get used to this again, is I want you to get used to an altar culture. And what I mean by that is by coming to the front and praying, you and the Lord, getting out of the pew, not worrying about getting to the foyer too quickly or running to the car. This word has to creep in. 
And so as I read these words, if you feel that God is calling you out, that he wants to use your talents and abilities, maybe you might be like that block of marble. He is not intimidated by you. Let him chisel away until he does that work to make you into his masterpiece. Maybe you've been serving God, but you've been giving God your second best. I want you to devote yourself this morning and say, Lord, I want to start giving you my first best. And then if you ask, does it matter? I want you to realize that everything you do has eternal benefit. Yes, we go to heaven because of grace. None of us deserve it, but we get it. But see, in heaven, we are merited and given awards based on what we do. So there is a merit system. Yes? The Bible says, to him who overcomes, I'll give them this and the right to do this and the right to do that. It says, to those who serve in ministry, I'll give them a crown that never disappears, a crown of glory. We will be crowned and given things because of what we give to Jesus. So please understand what you do in this life echoes in eternity. As I read this poem and you want to respond to the Lord at these altars, leave the pew and make your way up to this altar and find that place with the Lord of, Lord, do it in my life. Traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart only one life till soon past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, one soon its fleeing hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfless aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, leaving for self or in his will. Only one life, twill soon be past, all what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. In joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife. Pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let me love with fervor burn. And from the world now let me turn living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say, twas worth it all. Only one life. It will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. This morning, if you feel the Spirit of God tugging at your heart, make your way to these altars and you can kneel before him and just take that moment of saying, Lord, here I am this morning. I surrender to you. 
All that I am and all that I have, I give it to you. All my accolades and my degrees, oh Lord, even if I feel like a nobody and nothing, here I am this morning. Take me and use me. If the altar team would come this morning and just begin to lay hands on people. But if you want to respond, then come and respond and let the Spirit of God begin to do His work in your heart this morning of, Lord, all that's done for Christ will last. I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to live for you and you alone. You can make your way to these altars. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. Head to BethelCC.org to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel Christian Church.